Brad and Glenda Pius. Thank you so much for sewing into Morning Drive Bible. Without your commitment and support, this initiative couldn't come to fruition. Good morning from Jerusalem. My name is David Nekrutman. My name is Scott Kahn. And welcome to Morning Drive Bible. Where David Nekrutman is currently drinking a cup of nameless coffee. I'm not going to say what, the brand. Why are you saying nameless? It says Cafe Grey No, no, coffee. no. Why can't I say anything? Product placement. Oh, pro- oh because you want someone People to- have to pay for that. Sponsorship. Yeah. Uh, because Cafe Greg is not a sponsor yet. Not yet. Not yet, right. Two Jews talking Torah over coffee. That should be the new title of Morning Drive Bible. It's no, no. Lo- that's taking away from Jerry Seinfeld. We don't want to take away from Jerry Seinfeld. Well, mainly they don't be sued by Jerry Seinfeld. Right. Jerry Seinfeld, we love you. We just you know, made a joke. Hopefully you got it. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. And hopefully he's also talking about Torah too. Is that what he's doing in his no, show? No, he talks about comedy. I think it's kind of similar. You think so? There's some jokes you need in the some tower. humor to talk about the Word of God. There's no question about it. And speaking of the Word of God, isn't that a good transition? This is El Smootho <laughs> over here. I'm, I'm hashtag Mr. Holy Spirit, but you are El Smootho. I can't imagine a less felicitous transition. But today we're going to talk about a very interesting moment in the book of Numbers. A moment where two people unexpectedly achieve the Holy Spirit and actually start prophesying. And the Torah doesn't even tell us what exactly they said. These two individuals are named Eldad Eldad and and Medad. That was good. We're sinking right now, Scott. We're sinking. It's going to be a good day. And it takes place in the middle of a complaint of the nation of Israel not having menu options. It's a very strange complaint. Their complaint is not like that earlier in the Torah, where they complain about not having food or water at all. In the book of Exodus. Right. Here they're complaining that there's food, they just don't like it. Yeah, in chapter 11 in the book of Numbers, it seems like they want meat. Yeah. And they're remembering their wonderful days in Egypt as slaves of all these different uh, vegetables, that includes onions and garlic and all these interesting items, whether or not they received it or not. They are remembering the good old days. And it comes across as being very petulant. Normally, we don't complain about the fact that now, in freedom, I have food which I don't like as much as when I was enslaved. And the food that they're getting every day from heaven is manna. Yeah, this is not regular bread. What's the matter with them? <laughs> What's what the matter with them? What's very the matter? Nice. You see that? That was good. That was good. You that was that? Seinfeldian. That was very, very, very nice. But there's a real problem over here. The people are complaining this seemingly ridiculous complaint about not getting good enough food. And the Torah itself tells us that the manna was really special. This was food from heaven. In fact, there's an ancient tradition, David, that when the Jews entered the land of Israel after 40 years of wandering in the desert, the manna stopped, we know, and they didn't know what to do. They'd been brought up their entire lives, these young people, assuming that bread comes from the heavens, and that's the way the natural world works. And actually, Joshua had to show them, no, look, you can take wheat, grind it up, bake it, and you could have bread, at which point the blessing who brings bread forth from the ground was coined by the Jews, because for them, that was miraculous. In other words, what we call miraculous is often what we're used to. They were so used to manna, that was normal, and bread being baked in an oven was miraculous to them. But now we have an incident in the Bible. Remember, we're still dealing within the two-year period of Jewish history after the exodus of Egypt, a people remembering other types of foods they were receiving from their masters. And they want that. They want that diversity of menu. And after this complaint, Moses seems to have simply had it. 
Yeah, it's almost reminiscent of the book of Exodus when Jethro points out, hey, you can't do this alone. And Moses himself in chapter 11, the book of Numbers is saying, I can't handle this. This is just too much for me. So God responds, apart from offering food, which we'll see shortly, food options and meat options, which the people get more than they bargained for, God also says, gather 70 people. In fact, I'll read it inside. Oh, go ahead. This is in Numbers chapter 11, starting from verse 24. But please stick to the understanding of the direct Hebrew. Yes, this will be a direct translation of the Hebrew. I'm even looking at the Hebrew right now with my own currently coined English translation. Moses went out and he spoke to the people the words of God, and he gathered 70 men from among the elders of the nation, and he stood them up around the tent. God then descended in a cloud and he spoke to him, presumably him being Moses, and he took out, there's a strange word here, vayatzel, which somehow means emanated from the spirit that was upon him, upon Moses, and he gave it to the 70 elders. And then as the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied, and then the Hebrew words are valoyasafu, which can be translated in two ways, either, and they stopped, or, and they didn't stop. They either continued to prophesy, or they stopped prophesying. The exact opposite. Right. The same word can be understood in two different ways. Right. So let's just take a moment and just understand what's going on with these verses. God is saying, you need new type of leadership, and we're going to put 70 people under your school of prophecy, and the overflow of your prophecy will then go on to the 70. So and that's so exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. And they start to prophesy. And then one more verse with which we'll conclude, which is the strange verse we're dealing with. And two men in the camp remained. One's name was Eldad. The second one's name was Medad. And the spirit rested upon them. And they were, well, David, it says, Baktuvim, which is very difficult to translate. As it's written, as it's prophesied. That's what it sounds like. Ketuvim means writing. Writing. Something like that. So we are not really sure how to translate this word. We'll have to deal with that. They didn't go out towards the tent, and they prophesied in the camp. Now, it sounds like these two people, Eldad and Medad, were not among the 70 elders. That's the simple way of reading it, though there's or many ways Or you could say they were it. part of the 70, and they just chose to stay behind in the camp. Or not chose, it could be, whereas for the other 68 or 70, the Spirit left them. For Eldad and Medad, they continued prophesying. And we'll see shortly that other people were very upset with what they had to say. In our next episode, this is the cliffhanger, Scott. There's always one. Right. What does the Eldad Medad story have to do with the complaint of what's happening in the desert right it now? It seems to be stuck smack in the middle without any rhyme or reason or connection. Correct. And we know that right after this section, this text, we go straight into God providing the meat. A strange interruption, which we'll have to deal with next time. Right. So I'm David Nekrapman. I'm Scott Kahn. And thank you and blessings from Jerusalem. Thank you.